Welcome to the Pad the Stats podcast, your destination for everything fantasy football and where fantasy title hopes come true. And now, your host, James Swanson. Wow, it's about a week later than I had promised, but rankings 13 to 24 for the running backs. PPR coming at you tonight. Hi, everybody. I'm James Swanson. This is Pad the Stats fantasy football podcast. I do apologize for being a little bit late on this one. Uh, If you didn't hear my 12-team PPR draft recap from uh, earlier this week, I think I released on Monday or Tuesday. Go back and listen to that. Uh, And if you haven't listened to running back rankings 1 through 12, please go listen to that as well. We left off at number 12. So these were our consensus rankings, me and Pat. Pat will not be on the podcast with me tonight. Um, He is actually flying out to California right now to visit visit his brother. Um, we've talked about it probably many times before. We live in Pittsburgh, um, on the East coast. So he is on the West coast for the next five or six days. So it'll just be me on tonight's podcast, but I will read off of all of our consensus rankings, uh, 13 to 24. So where we let off here, let me find it. We let off at number 12, which was Dalvin cook. And at number 13, which is a guy that look, I have him a little bit lower. I'm down at 17, Pat has him up at 13, and that's Josh Jacobs, the rookie. Uh, the first running back taken off the board this year in uh, the NFL draft. Goes to the Oakland Raiders, and look, I have no issue with him being this high. I see, could see him a guy that that ends up this high, creeping up towards the top 12. Um, I'm just a little bit unsure is why I have him a little bit lower than Pat does, but he should get the bulk of the work. So if you're looking at Josh Jacobs, you know, even in that third round area, I don't think that's uh, that. You know, that's out of the question. I would not be taking him in the second round if it were me. Um, I think that's probably a little bit early. I don't even really want him in the third round. I would prefer him in the fourth round. Um, you know, there are a handful of guys who I would I would rather have over him who I'll talk about. But Josh Jacobs certainly should be handling the workload. Now we didn't see him a ton in the past game at Alabama, so not sure what to expect there. Um, but I do think, you know, they still have Jalen Richard, who I think will get some work, and is kind of a sneaky guy late in the draft. But certainly, Josh Jacobs should be the workhorse in that offense. I think this is an Oakland team that's going to try to run the ball a good bit, even with the added weapons in Antonio Brown. And you have, uh, you know, you still have Derek Carr, who's a guy who I think they'll, you know, let sling it around a little bit. But I do think that they're going to try to lean on the run game uh, as much as they can, at least if they're competitive and they can stay ahead in ball games and run the football, which is always a concern with the Raiders. Um, but yeah, Josh Jacobs is a guy who, you know, certainly could carry the ball 240, 250 times in his rookie season would not surprise me. And anytime you get a player like that, certainly you think that, okay, there's a ton of upside and there is, there is a ton of upside. And that is why I say that Josh Jacobs, it would not surprise me if he pushed the top 12, but I'm still a little bit uncertain. So I don't, I'm not confident in taking him, quite that high yet. At number 14, we both have, Aaron, well, I actually have Aaron Jones at 13, one spot higher. Pat has him right here at 14. And, you know, this is the one player, if there's one guy that I said I would not be shocked at all if he wound up even in the top 10 or 12 or or had the best chance, I should say, to wind up in the top 10 or 12, it's Aaron Jones. It's a great offense. It's a team that I think is going to, you know, Matt LaFleur is there now. They have some, um, you know, some philosophy that 
they want to do this, you know, a little bit more of the stretch run game and run the ball. And the Packers have never been shy to run the football. It's just about having a guy back there who remains healthy, stable, and they can turn it off and hand it to. They haven't had that consistency. I don't think they've necessarily had that trust, uh, you know, when Aaron Jones is not in the lineup. But this guy is far superior, in my opinion, to Jamal Williams. I still think Jamal Williams is going to factor in a little bit. It's just, hey, can Aaron Jones stay out of the injury, you know, off of the injury list? Uh, You know, can he stay in the lineup? He's a guy who's already been suspended, uh, you know, for two games in his career. So can he just stay on the field? And I think if he does, you're certainly looking at a guy that that has some serious upside. It would not surprise me if he found found his way into the top 10. I would not be ready to say he's going to be a top eight back. But look, it's a very good offense with Aaron Rodgers at the helm. I think some of their receivers are going to step up this year to to take some of the pressure off. Um, certainly, the Packers had some issues last year, you know, scoring and, and moving the football. Um, but but overall, I mean, it's this is still the Packers. This is still Aaron Rodgers. You have some receivers who are now in their second, third years that. I think that that take another step. Geronimo Allison comes back this year, which is going to take even more pressure off the run game. So I, what my point here is, Aaron Jones, as long as he's healthy, he's going to get that workload. If he gets that workload, I still think he's going to be a very efficient back. Now, I don't know if he's going to be at that 5.5 yard per carry clip that we've seen in the past, but if he's at 4.7, 4.8, which I certainly think he can do, then you're going to get a guy who you can be, you know, even at 230 carries, um, you're going to be very, very happy with the production. It's just a matter of can he again? Can he stay on the field? Um, you know, I I certainly do think he can be a guy who also catches, uh, you know, 40, 45 passes as well. So, you know, nine, ten touchdowns for Aaron Jones is not out of the question. Um, and if I had to get bet on one player that I think can creep into the top twelve, he would be my number one bet at least for the guys that I have thirteen and later. Okay, let's move on to number 15, and at 15, uh, Devontae Freeman. Now, I am pretty hopeful that this is going to be a good bounce-back year for Devontae Freeman. Uh, Lost much of 2018 to injury, and Tevin Coleman no longer in Atlanta, and now in San Francisco, Ido Smith is still there. But I think with Dirk Cutter coming in, you know, those were some years when he was there. Uh, I can't remember. I think it was 2012 to 2014. Um, don't quote me on that. I know it was three three seasons, I believe, that he was in Atlanta. Um, they had some big time numbers throwing the football, but I'm I'm very confident that Devontae Freeman's going to be a guy that gets back to that workhorse role for Atlanta. Another guy that again this again falls into the Josh Jacobs, Aaron Jones category where I. I'm not as confident in him, or I shouldn't say I'm not as confident in him, I'm not quite as high on him as Aaron Jones, but another player who would not completely shock me if he wound up as a top 12 running back in PPR formats, remember, Devontae Freeman is very good out of the backfield, can catch the football, Uh, we've seen him, you know, put up a lot of numbers, you know, catching the football to the backfield, and... If he's going to get around 250 carries, which, 240 carries, which I do think is possible, then it should be a big bounce back year for Devontae Freeman. So at 15, I feel pretty confident that I had him one spot lower at 16, but um, but yeah, this should be a nice bounce back year for Devontae Freeman. At 16, Pat has 
Damian Williams right here at 16. I have him a few spots lower at 19. Um, but look, this is another situation, much like Devontae Freeman, much like Aaron Jones, who uh, may be a little bit more unproven. Um, but at the same time, for a guy who's bounced around a little bit, did not have a ton of productivity in Miami, but has found his home in Kansas City now, especially after their Kareem Hunt release. Um, this is a guy who really, really turned it on towards the end of the year and, and was you know one of the better backs in the league the second half of last year. So Damian Williams, in a what should be a good offense again, you know, even if Tyreek Hill is suspended four games or, or however many games he may be suspended, um, let's just assume it's four right now, then I still don't see a reason why Damian Williams can't be effective even without a guy like Tyreek Hill taking the, you know, taking the kind of the top off the defense, um, you know, making defensive backs and safeties not play quite up in the box as much and, and you know, as tight and playing the run. Damian Williams is still going to be, uh, should be as long as he's in the lineup, uh, the focal point of this running game. Now, they do bring in Carlos Hyde, but I don't necessarily, I, I'm not sure there. I, I would not bank on Carlos Hyde coming in and taking those number that, that number one duty or having more carries uh, you know, per game than Damian Williams. I still think that's going to be his job to lose, you know, based on his performance at the end of last season. So I have my doubts a little bit about Damian Williams, but but as long as he's there, as long as he's healthy, it all seems to check out. I don't I don't see why he couldn't do what he did last year at the end of the year um, in a very good offense when he's the focal point out of the backfield. So, look, I'm not somebody that's gonna that's had my eye on drafting Damian Williams, but if you want to pull the trigger on him, look, go for it. I'm not taking him in the second round. I would much rather have him in the third round, if anything. Um, but I'm probably not going to get him, you know, just based on where he's going right now. So, Damian Williams comes in here at number 16 for us, and at number 17, a guy who, look, I I am a little bit higher on Carryon Johnson. I'll admit, I think that this is going to be kind of his coming out year. Last year, only played in, uh, I believe it was 10 games uh, before he was injured, but extremely, extremely efficient on a limited amount of carries. If you are on Twitter, I tweeted out the other day of just what Daryl Bevel has done in his career in terms of running the football, in terms of the volume of running the football. And if you go back and look at that, you know, he's coached at Seattle. He coached in Minnesota from, I think, 2006 or 2007 till 2010 and then was in Seattle for a long time and has consistently had teams that run the ball a ton. Uh, Seattle had years there from I think 2012 or 2013 to 2016 where they, you know, were the top three in terms of carries per game every single year. Uh, he had a couple of years where he was in the top eight. I think three of his four years in Minnesota, he was in the top eight in rush attempts per game. So I'm hopeful that they instill an offensive philosophy that's going to benefit on Johnson and give him more of a volume this year. I don't know if the efficiency will quite be there. I don't know if this offense is necessarily going to be very good, which is a reason that I cannot... I, I'm i a little bit hesitant to draft him over some of the guys that I just mentioned, right? I, now, I do have him higher than Carrion Johnson or uh, than Damian Williams on my list, but if you're somebody who feels like a good offense is the way to go, Damian Williams, um, Devontae Freeman, 
Aaron Jones, those guys might be a little bit better suited for you know what you're trying to build on your team. I don't know how good the Lions are going to be on offense. There's a chance they could be one of the worst offenses in the league. It wouldn't surprise me. Um, you know, there are a lot of guys there that need to kind of prove themselves. I think. But Carryon Johnson should be the focal point of this offense. Look, I'm hopeful that he can get around 240 carries this year, 230, 240 carries, probably somewhere similar in that Aaron Jones range. Um, you know, even maybe a little bit more if he can stay healthy. But look, he was banged up at Auburn. He was banged up in his rookie season. It's a matter of can he stay on the field? But look, here's a guy who, if he can play 16 games, I think you're looking close to 290, 300 total touches. Um, and if that's the case, then watch out. Watch out. I mean, he's going to be pushing top 12 numbers as well. Another guy who can get up there. Now, he would be a little bit below for me in terms of uh, some of the guys I mentioned, in, you know, in terms of, of them pushing towards that top 12, top 10, top 12 range. He's a, just a little bit be- below that for me. Again, I have him at 14, uh, but it would not surprise me if he, uh, if you know, if he's a top 15 back. I just am a little bit concerned. The one thing that does, you know, worry me a little bit is is the the scoring, the touchdowns. Um, is he going to find the end zone enough? Because again, I don't know how much this offense or how often this offense is going to score. They traditionally have not been a team that has a lot of rushing touchdowns. They have not been a team that runs the ball very well at all. So it's a bit of a culture, uh, you know, shift. A little bit of a philosophy change that's going to be instilled in the Lions' offense this year. Let's see if it pays off. Okay, let's move down to number 18, and this is perhaps the player that we are most off on, and that's Mark Ingram. Pat loves Mark Ingram, loves the the fact that he is going to a Baltimore Ravens offense that is going to run the ball a ton, and I, I get it, I get it, okay? He, he is going into uh, a situation that looks very, very good on paper. My thing is there's a number of guys that I would rather have ahead of him, um, and I have him quite a bit lower. I think I have him down at 26 in PPR formats. Look, it wouldn't surprise me if, if Mark Ingram came in and caught 40 passes, 45 passes. Um, he's a guy who can do that. I don't think he's going to get there, though. I think he's probably going to be more in that 35 to 40 range uh, at the top. You know, and in PPR formats, I mean, I just feel like there's some guys who are going to edge him out in that kind of area, and... In terms of the running production, I think that Mark Ingram can be effective. I don't know how much they're going to kind of, you know, spread it around a little bit. And I'm a little bit hesitant. You know, they bring in Justice Hill. I I just don't. I have a bad feeling about Mark Ingram this year. This is just really a gut thing for me. I, I have a bad feeling that Mark Ingram's not going to be a top 20 running back. I don't think he's going to be a top 24 running back. So, you know, take him at your your own risk, I guess, for a you know a thirty plus year old running back. Now, I know he hasn't had quite the workload that a lot of guys at this age have had in their career, which you know should mean that hey, he's a little bit more fresh than some other guys at this point. But yeah, I mean, this late in his career, played for the Saints his entire career, um, comes over to the Ravens at you know age thirty. It's just a little bit worrisome for me at this point. So I'm going to stay away from Mark Ingram where I can unless it makes sense. If I can get him, you know, maybe in the fifth round, I think I would be okay with that. Um, But other than that, I'm not, you know, I'm not creeping up into the fourth round in a 12 team to take Mark Ingram. 
Um, I just I'm not that confident in in the situation, even though again it looks good on paper. I just have a bad feeling about him this year. At 19, we have Leonard Fournette. Pretty similar on this between uh, Pat and I. Now, the biggest question here is, you know, I guess can Leonard Fournette, I have him a few spots higher than Pat, by the way. There's just, if there's a ton of question marks about one guy, this is it. it it's the injury history. It's it's kind of the, he's he's had some head case, you know, moments as well. I don't think he's really been in any legal trouble or anything, but he's had some team things and it's just the you feel you almost feel like Leonard Fournette like just at times just can't handle it like can't handle the the grind of of an entire season of a 16 game season you know over the first two years um we just we haven't seen it yet right so it's a matter of can Leonard Fournette stay on the football field uh a lot like some of the guys that I've mentioned in this in this tier this 13 to 24 range can he stay on the field but he might be the biggest question mark of them all and if he is, if he is on the field, there might not be another player that gets quite the workload that Leonard Fournette does. You're talking about a guy who can easily, easily tote it 270, 275 times um, and honestly could catch 25 to 30 more passes. So 300-plus attempts uh, or total touches, I should say, is is right in his wheelhouse. No question about it. Again, I just have so many concerns. I cannot take him above Aaron Jones, Devontae Freeman, um, even on Johnson for that matter, just because of, look, he's a guy who has not played in nearly the max amount of games that he could have in two years. So it's, uh, it's a bit of a concern. I am worried about Leonard Fournette in year three, but if he does play 16 games, 15 games, um you're probably going to get a guy who touches the ball a ton. It's just, you know, can he be efficient too? I think is the other thing, you know, a guy who has been around, I think last year he was at what 3.3 yards per carry, um, the year before 3.9. So, you know, it's just, um, there are a lot of concerns with Leonard Fournette and it's a reason why, look, not a guy that I want to pull the trigger on in, in the second round. I would consider him in maybe the third round, um, but uh, I don't know if I'm going to get a lot of shares of Leonard Fournette either. At number 20, we're into the 20s now, and uh, James White, I have him a lot lower too. I have him down at 30. My biggest thing is is here, I think Sony Michelle steps up and takes on a lot more of the workload this year. I still think James White's going to hold his role in the passing game. I just think there's a lot more touches to go around. If if Now, I don't know if they're going to hold on to Rex Burkhead. We've kind of assumed in the past that they're going to cut him. But they bring in Damian Harris. You know, they draft him in the third round out of Alabama. So they're going to use him. I, I would assume they're going to use him in some capacity. And Sony Michelle, again, is a player who I think is going to step up this year and just get more, just more. And... That, I think, in turn is just going to hurt James White. And I think the the production, um, you know, a guy who can still be very efficient with his touches, but I think the volume is just not going to be there to sustain it. So I'm, you know, quite a bit lower. Certainly a guy who pops up a little bit more in PPR leagues. But uh, I, have him, I have him quite a bit lower than Pat right now, but at 20 for uh, our consensus. And at 21, let's see here, we have... Sony Michelle at 21, one spot behind 
Um, I think that, you know, per, actually, you know what? Wait a minute. I, I screwed up. I did screw up. I We actually have James White down at 27. We had, Pat has him up at 20. That's my mistake. Pat has him up at 20. His averaged out, we have him down at 27. So, uh, just just outside of that top 24 for, um, for James White. But uh, a guy that that certainly I, I do think he's going to wind up in that top thirty, um, but I'm not confident in, in taking him within you know the the top twenty four guys this year. And then uh, Sony Michelle we have next um, another guy who look I just talked about him a little bit I just think the workload comes up this year for Sony Michelle I think he's going to get more touches out of the backfield I think he's going to carry the ball more. Um, this is Sony Michelle's year to kind of step it up and he's a guy who's I feel like has been, you know, people have been sleeping on on Sony Michelle a little bit. I think you can get Sony Michelle for a bargain, and if if there's one guy down here in the twenties that we talk about, and and I think that that a lot of people kind of peg him around that area, I think that he has a good chance to be close to an RB one too, if not an RB one. He certainly has that capability in a good offense, or at least what should be a good offense. And hopefully the focal point of the Patriots offense out of the backfield. Now, the problem is we've seen the Patriots utilize running backs so diversely, I guess you could say, in the past where they will just kind of lean on the hot hand game to game almost. So that's the one thing that concerns me about drafting, um, you know, drafting a a Patriots running back. Um, but, you know, look, I, I think Sony Michelle is going to be the guy there. Um I think we have Kenyon Drake next on our list. Um, this is a situation where, look, it's a new regime in Miami. He should be the guy um, this year. I, at least I, I, I think he's going to be the guy. We've, we've still kind of been waiting for him to really take over that that big workload. Um, I'm hopeful that Sony Michelle, or I'm excuse me, um, Kenyon Drake. This is the year that he will do that. But again. Look, this is a guy that I'm I'm kind of staying away from. I I I still am just I'm worried about this Miami, and this comes down to the Miami offense more than anything. I think it's going to be a very very up and down offense, and it's an offense that I don't think is going to score a lot. So I think you're probably talking about Kenyon Drake as a guy who might be capped at around seven touchdowns. There are a lot of guys who I find that have more upside than that, and I'm not sh- sure he's going to be a thousand yard rusher either. So. Look, if if we're talking about a guy who's going to run for 900, 950 yards and six touchdowns, five, six touchdowns, um, he could probably catch 40 to 50 balls as well. But at the end of the day, I think I can find more upside with other players. So I'm an, another guy that I'm kind of staying away from in Kenyon Drake. Now, Philip Lindsay next. Look, I am a little bit higher. I think that, that Philip Lindsay is a guy who just plays with the chip on his shoulder and can definitely repeat what he did last year before he had that wrist injury. Now, he's not a big, big guy, but I don't see any injury risk yet besides, you know, the wrist injury. We'll see if he can, you know, kind of withstand that workhorse load. Um, I don't know how they're going to work in Royce Freeman this year. That's another question mark. Do they get Royce Freeman more involved? But I still think, I think Philip Lindsay earned it last year, and I think he's going to stay on the field as the running back one for the Broncos. I'm I'm excited about Philip Lindsay. I think he could be a guy who winds up in the top 15, 16. So if you want some upside, a guy who really plays with a burst, plays with a chip on his shoulder, um, look, I wouldn't be surprised if Philip Lindsay does 
what he did last year or even maybe a little bit better than what he did last year. And then coming in at 24, Marlon Mack. So Marlon Mack, another guy who benefits from a good offense, right? Colts offense, who we think is going to be one of the premier offenses this year in the NFL. Um, I certainly think that, you know, he has a chance to be that that lead back for them. This is another situation where I'm a little bit concerned about the injury situation one and the workload. How much do they spread it around? Because I think Naeem Hines is going to be a guy who catches it 55 to 60 times at least. Um, I still don't know what kind of pass catcher Marlon Mack is. I don't think he's a terrible one, but I don't think it's necessarily his forte either. So I wonder if he's just a little bit capped in terms of volume. I don't think he's going to be a guy that touches it 250, 260 times in terms of his carries. I think he's probably more in that 215, 220, 225 range. Now, if he can be efficient, great. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit worried about the touchdown numbers. I'm a little bit worried about the, the volume and the usage in particular. But, look, I, I think he's a talented guy. Um, I think he's going to be pretty good. But I'm not as excited about him as last year. You know, last year when I was getting him in the seventh round, you know, I'm, I'm not looking to necessarily go up and get Marlon Mack in the third round this year. So he's a guy that I would wait on a little bit again. Um, but if look, if you're a Marlon Mack fan, you got to be excited about the Colts offense and, and the, the probability of him being extremely efficient. So um, really, really like the situation in Indy with Marlon Mack. Again, just a little bit concerned about the overall usage there. All right, well, I think that, that rounds it out. So we... Like I mentioned, I think James White was down a little bit lower. We had one more. Um, so actually, I think Tariq Cohen ended up coming in at the next spot. Or we had Chris Carson. I'm sorry. We had Chris Carson up in the top 24 too. That's my. I apologize for that. I kind of screwed that up, butchered that. Chris Carson was the next guy that we had up in the, in the top 24. Um, it, look, for me, I think Chris Carson's a top 16, 17 back. Because, again, I think he's a player on, look, a Seahawks team that, that ran the ball the most in the league last year. I think they throw it a little bit more last year. I had Russell Wilson pegged for, um, you know, a good amount more uh, pass attempts. But, look, no more Doug Baldwin. Tyler Lockett's the guy there now. They have a rookie wide receiver, DK Metcalf. I still think they're, they're going to lean on the run a ton. Would not surprise me one bit if Chris Carson carries the ball 260 times. We'll see what kind of workload Rashad Penny gets. He's a guy who could be a little bit of a sleeper if you can snag him up in the 6th, 7th round who could get more of a workload this year. But, yeah, I'm excited about Chris Carson. Look, if you would have asked me any time last year, I I really could not find myself getting excited about Chris Carson. Um, But, yeah, this year I'm excited about the guy. I think that's going to be, again, a team that runs the ball a ton. And I'm pretty sure Chris Carson's going to be the main, you know, beneficiary of that. So that wraps it up for our 13 to 24. Um, like I said, go back and listen to our one through 12, and then this episode, and you get a you can kind of get a uh, a good sense of how we feel about our top 24 PPR running backs. We're moving on to our wide receivers next. I'll have Pat back next week so we can get into that. Until next time, everybody. I'm your host James Swanson. Thanks for listening to Pat the Stats. Talk to you later. Bye bye.